Welcome to another episode of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. This is, of course, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If you're a returning listener, of course, you knew that already. You know who I am. But if you're new around here, let me introduce myself. I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. So why not give me a follow, especially over on Twitter, where you can reach out to me. You can send me questions, comments, concerns, topics, inquiries, whatever you've got as they relate to the Overwatch League, Overwatch in general, Blizzard games, or just video games, because I love to talk about video games, and I would love for you to bring me your questions and things to bring to the show, topics, whatever you've got. Reach out to me over on Twitter, you can DM me, or you can just tweet at me, whatever you want to do. Now, enough with all that, let's talk about the podcast. So this podcast, of course, you can find on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends and all that jazz. But of course, I also encourage you to check me out over on the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast. That's right. If you enjoy what you hear here today on One Man Watchpoint, you can get more of that over on the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast. Ready, Set, Pwn is, of course, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant around the Overwatch League. Also available on podcast services everywhere. Now, over there, we do focus a little bit more on uh, Canadian Overwatch, particularly the Vancouver Titans and the Toronto Defiant, of course. And because of that, we've also had the opportunity to do a number of interviews with some of the familiar faces if you are following those teams. So go check out the Ready, Set, Poem podcast, where I am, of course, just the third chair, but it's a good time all around. Now, for today's episode of One Man Watchpoint... We've got a little bit of Shanghai action to talk about. We've got a new skin coming into the game. And, of course, our Midseason Madness Tournament details have been officially unveiled. So, without further ado, let's dive on in. Select your hero. So, our first article here is going to take us on over to DotEsports.com with an article by Michael Czar, posted on April 25th, which reads, Shanghai Dragons adds former Seoul Dynasty star to deepen support pool. The Shanghai Dragons have a roster consisting of a number of surprising players headlining, uh, sorry, heading into the 2023 Overwatch League season. Former league MVP Fleta is now the team's tank after spending an entire career on DPS heroes, while Diem's surprising return from retirement marked a role change from DPS to support. The Shanghai Dragons brought in yet another surprise player today, but thankfully he won't be changing roles this time, instead just adding to the squad's extensive depth in the support position. The Shanghai Dragons signed Korean support player Iris or Iris on April 25th, formerly of the Seoul Dynasty, Houston Outlaws, and Atlanta Reign. This marks the team's fourth support player on the roster, including Diem, Bebe, and Gangnam Jin. The value in this new addition is clear, with none of the Dragons' current support players having the postseason experience that Iris brings. Thanks to his time in both the West and Eastern divisions, he's helped teams like the Atlanta Reign reach the finals in 2021. After moving to Seoul partway through 2022, his Ana, Zenyatta, and Baptiste play helped, uh, sorry, helped them, them of course being the Seoul dynasty at the time there was only one Seoul team, so helped them reach the Summer Showdown Finals before losing to the Dragons. Now he's joining his former foe, hoping to rekindle their regional success from 2020 and 2021 and finally get a title to his name. Now, there's a little bit more to the article there that I'm not going to read, just speculating about the Dragon season, as it does seem like they're having 
uh, quite the identity crisis, if you will. But in any case, interesting to see this pick up at the least. Uh, a little bit surprising, certainly just because of the depth that Shanghai already had on the support lineup. Of course, having three players um, already in the support position. But guess what? The fog cleared. And very shortly after this was announced, we found out why exactly this was happening. So I'm going to jump on over to an article on Dexerto published on April 26th for the next story. Now, I will go back in time for the story following this, but I want to add this one right onto the back of the announcement of Iris joining the Shanghai Dragons. So this article over on Dexerto.com, written by Jeremy Gon, published, published on April 26th, reads, Shanghai Dragons part ways with newly re-signed Diem days before the 2023 Owl season. Diem just came out of retirement back in March 9th, 2023, right as the offseason was closing in and with a surprise role swap to support. However, just days before the 2023 Owl season starts, he is returning to retirement once again. In an announcement by the Shanghai Dragons, the organization revealed how they parting ways, revealed how they parting ways with the DPS legend turn flex support just days before the start of the 2023 Owl season. Quote, after engaging in amicable and in-depth discussions between both parties, our esteemed player DM has decided to take a hiatus from the game to focus on personal health issues, the announcement wrote, also confirming that DM is now a free agent. Just a day before the announcement, however, the Dragons announced they were picking up Iris, which confused many Owl fans as they picked him up. In... They picked him up. It brought the total number of flex support players to four. Sorry, this article is uh, apparently not written the, the best. But it seems the signing was meant to replace Diem's sudden re-entry to retirement. Diem's returning, return to Owl in 2023 saw him play no matches, and it only lasted for a total of one month and 17 days. Diem's fir Diem first retired in early 2021 from Owl since landing a spot on the Dragons in 2019. It had seen him win almost every trophy in Owl except the Champs Trophy. He would go on to see his team lift it in 2021. The 2023 Owl season for both the East and West regions is starting up this week, and you can check out our coverage of the season here. So there you go. Uh, again, shedding light on the Eris announcement. Of course, DM stepping away from the game yet again. Really just a bit of a confusing mess over on the Shanghai bench, it would seem. Uh, really, I don't think anybody truly understands or knows what's going on with this team right now uh obviously from a very confusing roster uh to you know for the longest time they they announced they were re-signing coach moon but then they had no roster for a long time then when they did announce it was very confusing players swapping roles especially a player like fleta uh, as as the other other article there mentioned former mvp fleta moving over to tank just confusion all around and then four supports and then obviously dm retiring again so there you have it. That's the news about Shanghai. Confusing stuff. Who, who really knows what's going on here? Let's move on. And again, we're going to hop back in time to April 25th, this time with an article posted by Max Michelli over on DottieSports.com. This article reads, Sporty new Zarya skin gives a whole new meaning to climbing the Overwatch ladder. The Overwatch League has no shortage of cosmetic offerings for players that want to support Overwatch 2's professional scene by repping teams in-game. But on April 25th, Blizzard added a skin to the Owl Shop that will have players ready to climb. Zarya is almost always graced with the sportiest skin in the game, and this one is no different. While the Russian is known for being one of the world's strongest women, she doesn't necessarily have the build one would expect from a rock climber, but that doesn't seem to be stopping her. Zarya's new rock climber skin comes complete with 
a climbing harness, some quick draws, and of course a chalk bag. Naturally, she has her hair put up and is wearing a headband to keep her face clear of any messiness while she's crushing rock climbs and enemies' elo. While the outfit doesn't come across as anything especially outstanding, her particle cannon is what makes the skin something special. Instead of simply matching her outfit, Blizzard transformed the weapon to make it resemble a Waltopia gym climbing wall with brightly colored rock climbing holds on it. The skin was added to the Owl tab in the Overwatch 2 shop, and it can be purchased as a part of a bundle for 300 Owl tokens. The bundle includes the legendary Rock Climber skin, a Rock Climber name card, and a Hit the Crag voice line. Now, I do actually want to scroll up here. Ah, I hadn't actually seen the Particle Cannon there, but that is pretty cool. Um, for me personally, uh, you know, I was a little underwhelmed with this skin, just, you know, a little bit confusing why... Exactly, we were getting a Zarya skin, but on top of that, getting a Zarya Rock Climber skin. Obviously, I mean, hey, it, it sure, it's a theme. I, I guess that's cool. I'm, I'm down with it. I like all the skins we can get. But as the article does point out here, the uh, the Particle Cannon is the coolest part of this skin, if you ask me. The, the skin itself is just kind of, you know, Zarya in climbing gear, which I feel like is not that exciting. But, but that's a cool Particle Cannon, so cool stuff. Let's move on here. We're plowing through the news here. We don't actually have a ton to talk about this week. Honestly, a lot has not transpired. Um, and I think that's largely on the fact that, you know, Season 4 just started a couple weeks back. Um, on top of that, the Overwatch League itself just had its first weekend of play. So it's very much like there isn't a lot of news or announcements or changes coming to the game right this second. I think they kind of want the focus to be on, okay, Season 4 is out. We got a new theme with uh, Starwatch now. And then, of course, we've also got uh, the Overwatch League season starting up again as well. So I think they're kind of just pumping the brakes, taking a bit of a break on uh, the news side of things. We do also know one thing that I don't actually have a news story here for, but we do know that they had planned to talk about a new um, a new roadmap update. I believe on the last episode of One Man Watchpoint, I had mentioned that they were going to be talking about that early in May. I think they they actually announced that they were going to push that back and do it more like mid-May. And again, I think it's just to allow Season 4, but also the Overwatch League, some room, some breathing room to kind of, you know, uh, get their get their due and everything like that. It's uh, It is a big event with Season 6 of the Overwatch League starting. And of course, I should also shout out the amazing new set uh, and desk that they have for the Overwatch League. So anyways, let's continue on with the stories and then we'll uh, recap some games from the Overwatch League. So we're going to head on this time over to GG Recon, this time with an article posted by Yiska over on April 27th, which reads, Owl reveals South Korea dates for mid-season madness. The Overwatch League has announced that this year's Mid-Season Madness Tournament will take place in South Korea at the Goyang Kintex Marketing, oh, sorry, Marking, the first league-hosted LAN event in the Asia-Pacific region. The event features a prize pool of $900,000, and the winning team is set to take home $500,000. The event will run from June 15th to 17th for North American viewers, with matches starting daily at 6 p.m. PT. Goyang Kintex Arena details and ticket sales. The Goyang Kintex, located in the Seoul capital area, will host the competing teams in its 10B Hall, which has a capacity of 3,075 spectators. Tickets for the event will go on sale starting May 15th. The location sports a rich esports history and has hosted multiple events such as the South Korean League of Legends Franchise League LCK, competitive format and team matchups. Midseason matchup, or sorry, the midseason madness will showcase six teams: four from the west and two from the east. The eight regular season matches 
in the run-up to mid-season madness will serve as a qualification round for the Overwatch League teams in both regions. In the East, the top two teams will qualify from the East Spring Stage knockouts, with the added element of contenders teams having a chance to secure a spot if they come out on top. The top two seeds, uh, two seeded sorry, teams from the West will automatically qualify, while the remaining two spots will be determined by the top teams from the West Spring Stage knockouts. For the first time, the Overwatch League will only feature one seasonal tournament outside of the playoffs, and the outcome of the midseason madness will not impact playoff qualification. While there are now fewer tournaments per season, the Overwatch League appears to have pooled its resources into one larger event at a dedicated venue. In prior seasons, the Overwatch League had as many as three tournaments outside of the seasonal playoffs. As part of its COVID-19 contingency plan, the OWL hosted events in Hawaii for North American teams to ensure playable latency range when playing against those teams residing in APAC region. Especially in Season 5, the event location at UH Manoa sparked criticism for its small setup. So, there you have it. We have our announcement of where our Mid-Season Madness tournament will be taking place, of course, um, over on the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast that I mentioned at the start of the show. Uh, we did have a chance to interview uh, Sean Miller, who is, of course, uh, president of the Overwatch League, or head of the Overwatch League, I should say. And uh, we did talk to him about uh, live events and everything like that. And he, although he didn't tell us where exactly the Midseason Madness tournament was going to be taking place, he did say that fans would be surprised and pleased. And by golly, I think they accomplished both of those things. It is very exciting to see the Overwatch League coming to Seoul, um, coming to the the Eastern region, if you ask me. Um, although certainly they're going to get you know less of the audience that they would have had it been somewhere in North America, like it has, uh, like some of these you know midseason tournaments have traditionally been. Um, I think this is a great draw to bring in people into Seoul um, and really get to experience something different than maybe they had before. So this is really exciting uh, for me personally. I mean, I can't see a world in which I what the, I can see a world in which I attend and that's I somehow win or someone gives me an all expenses paid uh, a trip out there I don't think that's going to happen the chances of that are very slim so I don't truly think I'll be attending myself but I'm very excited for this uh, to come to fruition and of course they do uh, you know have the whole schedule there June 15th through 17th matches starting daily at 6 p.m pt that timing Works out kind of great for me. Um, yes, these games will be going late into the evening, early morning kind of thing. If uh, you know, if past tournaments have any indication on on how long matches run, um, so it'll be a long evening, long couple of evenings of Overwatch. But I mean, by the finals, you know, you're typically having two or three matches a day. So uh, one thing I I think is a little disappointing there is that with this announcement, they actually aren't increasing the amount of teams that qualify in the East. Although I understand that they are um, sort of balancing things out because obviously four teams in the West, you're, those four teams are competing out of a larger pool. So then only two teams in the East qualifying balances nicely. But I do think they, it seems to me like the fact that it's in the East, they, they could give at least one more. But if not, you know, I would think two more teams. Uh, the opportunity to qualify but at the same time I mean again it's a little late to make that announcement or that shift um, it is slanted in favor of the east just because of the fact that um, you know there is such a smaller pool out there and and especially with uh, you know the Chengdu hunters obviously not competing 
as of yet, but likely at all this season. So in any case, exciting to hear this is where it's going to be taking place, and it'll be really exciting to see what kind of a production they put on over there. Now, here we are at the 16-minute mark of the episode, and that's actually all the news we've got. We, we really didn't have a ton to go over here. So again, you know, it's a news light week. I think we're kind of in the the in-between days, the in-between times uh, in terms of news. So I think we'll move on over and we'll talk a little bit about this past weekend's matches in the Overwatch League. Of course, I will cross our fingers that next week uh, by the time of recording, hopefully we have our roadmap uh, update, although it wouldn't surprise me at all if that's not even coming till the week after that. So without further ado, let's move on and recap some OWL games. Prepare to attack. All right. So as we all know, the Overwatch League Season 6 kicked off this past weekend. Uh, Well, technically a little bit before the weekend, starting on Thursday, April 27th. Of course, the League or the season opened with the San Francisco Shock facing off against the Toronto Defiant in what was, I would say, a pretty even and even strong matchup for the Toronto Defiant. Um, I personally, I mean, I know I had high hopes for this matchup. I thought that there was a likelihood that Toronto got at least one win this weekend. Um, it turns out I was wrong about that, but you know, I digress. Um, Toronto came out strong. Honestly, things started off in this matchup. It was, uh, Antarctic Peninsula and Unfortunately, the shock took the first round two to one. But like I say, Toronto did put up a good fight. It didn't look like they were getting blown out by any means. Um, If I'm not mistaken, I think they even took the first round. So good on them. They then went over to Blizzard World, where I really thought Toronto started to kind of come together and show a little bit more of their strength. Uh, Toronto did take that map three to two. And ultimately, neither team looked, you know, too shabby. Uh, ultimately Toronto just managed to uh, pull it out in the end there. They then went to Shambhali Monastery, which is a map that obviously, as we know, is a new map to the game. Um, If I'm not mistaken, is it the newest map? If it's not the newest map, it's the second newest. I can't remember which came out first, Shambhali Monastery or Antarctic Peninsula. I think Shambhali came out first. So our second newest map, but obviously we got to see both of the the newest maps in... uh, in this matchup of San Francisco against Toronto. And I'm really enjoying the play we're seeing on this map. Uh, I I also really think it's kind of, at least for me personally, it's showing me a lot more how to play this map against opponents um, when I play Overwatch, of course, which is something I'm always looking to do when I watch the Overwatch League, right? You know, pick up on little little tricks and tips that can uh, help my game get better. So regardless, Toronto takes this map 3-2. We then head on over to New Queen Street, which uh, unfortunately was a disappointing win for the San Francisco Shock. They took it 1-0. And early on, it actually looked like Shock was going to take this. I was a little bit disappointed in this one. I was actually watching it. Uh, Toronto seemed to be doing well. I kind of looked down and looked back up, and San Francisco had won it. (laughs) Now, this match was taking place well. I mean, well, I was slightly distracted. I believe I was working at the time this match was on. Uh, so certainly I didn't quite look down, look up and, and they had lost it, but, uh, it certainly seemed quicker than, uh, I wanted it to. Of course, that takes us to match point, even though Toronto was already on match point and had the chance to win it. We went to Oasis and unfortunately the shock managed to take Oasis two to nothing, two to zero. So 
In any case, a disappointing loss for the Toronto Defiant. I think they really could have had this match. Um, I don't really know what it came down to. It just seemed like Toronto couldn't quite make it happen when they needed to, right? Uh, it looked like they they had some fire early on. Um, one thing that I do, you know, as much as I don't want to, I continue to question a little bit the choice to play Sam over Hydron, although I understand, I think they're trying to uh, make their team a little more versatile, and I think they're trying to really kind of stretch Sam and make him into uh, a steady player who they can just rely on to um, to hold his own, I guess. Um, yeah, I just can't help but look at a player like Hydron and think to myself, you know, you have <laughs> you have this ace in the hole. Why aren't you playing him all the time? You know, why aren't you relying on him? Or at the very least, if you're going to uh, play Sam, start the match with Sam. And then when you're down, bring in Hydron. Now, that may be what they did. Again, you know, I was obviously working during this match, so I didn't pay the most attention to it. But ultimately, I just want to see want to see this team do well and right now they're playing some of the toughest teams so maybe that's why they're doing this kind of strategy um you know play these players now against these really tough opponents because you probably can take the losses against them but it is probably some really good experience for the players and in doing so you know those players build some good experience and then when they do face these sort of you know uh less top tier teams they can hopefully you know, show up, right, in in a bigger way. So anyways, that's kind of my thoughts on that match. It was disappointing to see Toronto take the loss. I think on another day, you know, if they tightened a few of the screws, they might have actually got this match, whereas their second match of the weekend, I don't know if I can say the same, but we'll get to that. After that, of course, the Washington Justice beat the London Spitfire 3-1. Then the Florida Mayhem beat the Vancouver Titans 3-1 to close out our Thursday. We then moved into Friday, April 28th, where we opened things with the New York Excelsior versus Atlanta Reign, and of course Atlanta Reign stomped all over New York, 3-0. The Houston Outlaws then stomped all over the Los Angeles Gladiators, 3-0. And finally, the Vancouver Titans stomped all over the Los Angeles Valiant, 3-0. So if you're keeping track, that puts Vancouver at a record of 1-1, and Toronto at a record of 0-1. So the Vancouver Titans ahead of the Toronto Defiant as of Friday. Moving on from there, Saturday, April 29th, the Washington Justice then took on the Vegas Eternal. And now that I think about it, I'll actually jump over to the Eastern Region games after this. Um, Washington Justice 3 0 the Vegas Eternal. Uh, the Houston Outlaws 3 0 the Los Angeles Valiant. The Boston Uprising 3 0 the New York Excelsior. And the Atlanta Reign 3 0 the San Francisco Shock. So, obviously mostly expected results there um you know i would have to say nothing too too stunning uh on either friday or saturday um except for that final match of saturday right the atlanta rain 3-0 over the san francisco shock this match was a bit of a bl i mean all these matches were blowouts right they were 3-0 but the atlanta rain really showing that they just might be the top team this season you know i know uh me personally i had put them as second in my power rankings um i kind of put the power of friendship and the san francisco shock um at the top in the system that you know of course crusty has built um and i was ready for them to dominate and 
unfortunately, I'm starting to think, I mean, it's only been one weekend, but I'm starting to think maybe I shouldn't have put my chips in that, in that corner, but hey, Atlanta also looking great, and Atlanta obviously stomping on the shock, so good for them, uh, you know, shock do, I think this is something everyone's pointing to right now, shock do traditionally start off a little slower in their seasons, um, and then they usually kind of pick up from there, is that what's going to happen? Who knows? Krusty's got his work cut out for him, I think. Moving on from there, let's head over to the Eastern region, where we only had three games this whole weekend, actually, and they all took place on Saturday, so Saturday, April 29th. We had the Soul Dynasty come out over top of the Soul Infernal 3-2. Then we had the Guangzhou Charge beat the Dallas Fuel 3-0. And then, of course, our final match on Saturday in the Eastern region, we saw the Hangzhou Spark 3-0 Shanghai Dragons. So, what can we take away from the Eastern region? Well, first of all, uh, the two Seoul teams, somewhat evenly matched, I'd say. Um, I didn't watch any of these games, so I'm just speculating based on scores and what I heard around the web. Um, I personally, in my power rankings, had put Seoul, uh, sorry, the Infernal over the Dynasty. And I think this kind of shows that, you know, for a new squad, which, I mean, they're not really a new squad, obviously, they're Philly, but for a new team, we'll, we'll say, um, seems like you know yeah maybe they've got some work to do but also seems promising that they could build on this um and and move up from here on the flip side of that the dallas fuel losing to the guangzhou charge three zero that one stings a little bit more um i'm actually just going to pull up the roster here for the guangzhou charge we had oh that's right piggy jimmy choice of xerneas far away a lot of known quantities over on the Guangzhou charge. And then, of course, on the Dallas Fuel side, a lot of top-tier known qualities. Hanbin, Edison, Sparkle, and MCD. I mean, maybe not top-tier, but MCD. And then, of course, Bliss being a rookie. Just, I don't think that was the expected result from anyone. So, interesting stuff. But, anyways. Let's move on to Sunday, April 30th, where the Vegas Eternal got beat 3-0 by the Florida Mayhem. The Boston Uprising then took London down in a score of 3-1. And finally, to close out our weekend, the Los Angeles Gladiators took on the Toronto Defiant and beat them 3-1 in what was, in fact, in my mind, a disappointing match. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I'm going to jump over to the score here. Things started on Oasis with a 2-0 win for the Glads. Then they went to King's Row with a 4-3 win for the Glads. Toronto did come back, which was great to see, and took uh, Junkertown 3-2. Although, the caveat to that, of course, is that they, you know, they barely beat the Glads, in my opinion. Um, and then finally, uh, we went to Esperanza, where the Gladiators took it 1-0. Actually, and now that I think about it, this might be the map I was referring to uh, when I was talking about the San Francisco Shock against the Toronto Defiant. Ultimately, just disappointing to see Toronto not I don't want to say not put up more of a fight because I think they did put up a pretty good fight um yeah I just I just don't know what what's going on you know I want to say trouble in paradise of some sort I mean glads are looking I think better than I had rated them right I maybe I underrated them again we're only one weekend of play in but I am feeling a little bit like the Kayaki Kevster uh, DPS lineup and Dante on tank is is really proving the this the haters wrong um and showing their worth that's for sure 
I think I put more value on the power of friendship in the Toronto Defiant and the San Francisco Shock than maybe I should have. But ultimately, again, one weekend in, cross your fingers. We're only we're only going up from here. And that, of course, closed out the weekend. So really, I mean, here we are at, you know, 28 minutes into the episode. And that was this weekend's games. Honestly, if you ask me, although there were some exciting matches, overall, it was a bit of a meh weekend. Um, you know, Toronto-San Francisco opening things up was a good match. Um, if I look through the record here, you know, I think people had high hopes for Houston versus Gladiators on Friday there, and Houston 3-0'd the Glads. Um, people had very high hopes for the Atlanta Rain versus the San Francisco Shock, and Atlanta 3-0'd the Shock. Um, and then, in my opinion, the other probably hyped game was the Toronto Define against the Gladiators, and Glads, you know, 3-1 Toronto. Toronto didn't put up a ton of a fight. Overall, I mean, if I look at this past weekend, let's see, we got... Uh, not counting the Eastern region. We got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 matches. And 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. Eight of them were 3-0 stomps. So, yeah, kind of, like I say, a little bit of a boring weekend. You know, catch those highlight games if you want, but ultimately not a ton that you really need to see here. So, Anyways, that was this past weekend's matches. Now, with that, that brings my pick'em points to a total of 31 points, putting me in like 6,000th place overall. Not not very good. Let's take a quick look and see what exactly I scored uh, in the West. Uh, okay, I got a couple matches correct on Thursday. I got the Toronto one wrong. Um, then on Friday, I got one match exactly correct, and the other two... Uh, I got points for I got the winner. Uh, that was Friday. Saturday, let's see. We got two matches exactly correct. We got one match correct. And then the uh, final match of the day there with the Atlanta Rain against the Shock, I got incorrect completely. And then, of course, on Sunday, April 30th, I actually got, with the exception of the Toronto game, I got both matches on Sunday correct, exactly correct. So that's great to see. Uh, looking over at the Eastern region, that's going to be a mess. Yep, I got four points because I got <laughs> one correct pick, but no exactly correct. So anyways, let's take a look at our next week's upcoming matches. So, of course, here we start things off on Friday, May 5th, this time with the New York Excelsior playing against the Toronto Defiant. Now, I am giving the Toronto Defiant the benefit of the doubt here. And I'm giving them a 3-0. I think it's more realistic to say, use double points boost. Oh, you can double points boost. That's neat. I've never seen that before on pickups. Anyways, um, I think that I would lean towards a 3-1, but I'm giving them a 3-0 because I believe in them. Then we have the Washington Justice taking on the Valiant in a 3-0, in my opinion. And the Atlanta Rain taking on the Vancouver Titans in a 3... I'm going to call it a 3-0. If I had to guess, I think it's going to be a 3-0. So there you have it. I'm going to boost this match as well. Cool. I've never seen that. This, this double points boost thing is pretty cool. I'm boosting that match in 3-0. 
sorry, Vancouver Titans. Let's head on over to, actually, you know what, we'll stick with the West and then we'll do the East. So then on Saturday, May 6th at 1 p.m., we have the Los Angeles Valiant taking on the New York Excelsior um, in what I think is sure to be a win for the Excelsior. But how much do they win by? Will Valiant get a single map? Let's see how Valiant did this past weekend. 3 0 by the Vancouver Titans, 3 0 by the Houston Outlaws. All right, I think New York is going to 3 0 them as well. Then at 2.30, we have the Boston Uprising taking on the Washington Justice. Unfortunately, ooh, this is this actually could be a decent matchup. Uh, so Boston, 3-1 over London, 3-0 over New York. Washington Justice, 3-0 over Vegas, and 3-1 over London. Wow. These, these teams, okay, okay, okay. Very, very similar kind of matches this past weekend. I'm going to give it to the Uprising. And uh, that's a tough one. I'm going to say it's 3-1 right now for Uprising. Um, I could flip-flop on that, though. We'll see. We'll see. We then move on to the Florida Mayhem at 4 p.m. taking on the Los Angeles Gladiators. I'm giving this one to the Florida Mayhem. And I'm just wondering by how much. I think I'm going to call it a 3-2 for the Florida Mayhem. I think this could be a close match. This is probably a match to watch this weekend. If I had to put money on... On certain matches, this is one of the matches to watch. Now I see another one upcoming here. So let's move on to Sunday, May 7th at 1 p.m. where the Florida Mayhem take on the Toronto Defiant. Ultimately, I'm going to say this is a 3-1 for the Florida Mayhem, unfortunately, just based on what we saw this past weekend. Um, I think Florida is in that more top tier, and Toronto maybe is you know, pretty appropriately ranked in that kind of 5-10 to 10 range, whereas Florida might be, you know, top five kind of thing so i'm giving it to florida 3-1 then at 2 30 p.m boston uprising take on the vancouver titans again this is tough i want to be with my vancouver titans and i want to give them a higher score than a 3-1 unfortunately although boston you know lost a map to london and things like that boston isn't looking as shaky as i'd like i'm not a fan of boston but you know, I just don't think they're looking as bad as I would have hoped. So I'm going to give it to Boston 3-1. Then, of course, at 4 p.m. to close out the weekend on Sunday, we see the Atlanta Rain taking on the Los Angeles Gladiators. And you know what? Based on the fact that Houston 3-0'd the Gladiators, I'm going to say that Atlanta is also able to 3-0 the Gladiators. I'm going to save those predictions. Lock it in. Now, let's take a look at the East real quick here, where we have, once again, three matches upcoming this weekend. So, Friday, May 5th, we have the Hangzhou Spark taking on the Dallas Fuel. Now, that's tough, because, of course, we know that Hangzhou won and the Dallas Fuel lost. I'm giving it to the Spark. I'm going to say it's 3-1. Honestly, I like the Spark a lot this season. Even if I did in my power rankings put Dallas above them, I'm feeling a little shaky after Dallas lost to Guangzhou. So, I'm giving it to Hangzhou, 3-0. Then at 3.30 a.m., of course, this is Mountain Time, on Friday, May 5th, Shanghai Dragons take on the Soul Infernal, and I'm giving it to the Infernal. And I'm going to say it's a 3-1 for the Infernal. Then on Saturday, May 6th, at 2 a.m. again, the Dallas Fuel take on the Soul Infernal. Um, you know what? I'm going to give this one to Dallas, and I'm going to say it's a 3-1 for the Dallas Fuel. Then at 3.30 p.m., we have the Soul Dynasty being taken on by the Guangzhou Charge. I'm going to give... 
That's tough. Two teams that both won this past weekend. Which win was more surprising? Probably Guangzhou over Dallas. So I'm going to give it to Guangzhou and say they take it 3-2. Could be a close match, though. Then on Sunday, May 7th, the Seoul Dynasty take on the Shanghai Dragons. And unfortunately, I'm going to be pretty down on Shanghai Dragons this uh, this weekend, it would seem. I'm giving it to Seoul, 3-1. And then at 3.30 a.m., the Hangzhou Spark are going to take the Guangzhou charge to task and beat them 3-1. I'm going to save those predictions. And there you have it. That is my picks for this upcoming weekend. So with all of that said, a very short episode this week, as you can see. So I think we'll head on over to the outro and we'll wrap things up here. Epic. Well, thank you so much for listening to a very short episode of One Man Watchpoint. One Man Watchpoint is, of course, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Now, if you're a returning listener and if you're a new listener, hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Of course, as I mentioned a couple times, it was quite a short episode. I'm actually surprised at how short it was. I didn't really rant or rave or ramble about too much here so this is probably you know record shortness for an episode i think i've i usually make it to about at least the 40 to 42 to 45 kind of minute mark so i mean if i if i vamp like this a little bit more then i might actually get there but in any case i'm not going to force it so thank you so much for listening i'm of course your host sir dr jm that's at sir drjm on all socials why not follow me over on the twitter the bluebird app um Follow me, you can tweet at me, you can DM me, whatever you want over there. Bring me questions, comments, concerns, topics, whatever you've got for the show. Um, of course, as they relate to Overwatch, but also as they relate to the Overwatch League, uh, Blizzard games in general, or just video games as a whole. I do love the industry. I do follow it quite co- closely and listen to a lot of video game podcasts, YouTube videos, things like that. I'm a big fan. And uh, if you want to hit me up with your Jedi Survivor uh, uh, uh stuff because i am knee deep in that right now i'm uh you know currently enjoying the adventures of cal kestis um on kobo and jetta and everything so definitely definitely check me out over on twitter and you can shoot me a message whatever you've got bring me questions comments and certain topic i'll bring them to the show you can of course find this podcast and all your favorite podcast services out there spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, etc etc so give us a follow leave us a review tell your friends and all that jazz and if you do leave us a review i'll read it out on the show and of course as i mentioned at the top Check me out over on the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant around the Overwatch League. That's going to be it for episode 106 of One Man Watchpoint. Tune in next week for another recap of the Overwatch League's matches, and of course, a look at all the latest in the Overwatch world. Victory!